Um, yeah. In the uh, immortal words of Harper Thompson, um, yeah. It's true. It's my catchphrase. Immortalized by recording a podcast. That's so true. For posterity. We're recording the podcast for posterity. Mm-hmm. So that we know that we've watched over 60 Ethan Hawke movies. Yeah, for future generations, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know how many Ethan Hawke movies we've watched? Or, well, how many episodes we recorded? This is 65. That we're recording right now? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's fun. Lot. It is a lot. But we've done a great job. And they're all equally good. I agree. And this one's going to be equally better. True. Even if I'm a little too comfortable. Yeah, you look really comfortable. Just so that you guys can get a sense of Jonathan's situation. He's lying completely horizontally mm, on the couch. Yes. His uh, feet are hanging over one end of the couch because mm-hmm. he's a tall man. Mm-hmm. Um, and underneath his head, he has three pillows. Not one, yes, not yes. two, but three pillows. Ah, 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 ah. Yes. Three pillows. Three pillows. Um, and have a little blanket going, too. And a blanket, yes. Uh, you know, God forbid blanket. I forget the blanket. Yeah, it's a little... Um, I'm sure most of you also have this blanket. It's a gray Ikea blanket, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like textured with some white weaving into it. Yeah, it looks uh, like a blanket they give you like in World <laughs> War One. I. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think the blanket they'd give you in World War One would be like like a kind of pukey brown color and it would mm-hmm. be like wool. Wool, it definitely be yeah, wool. Yeah, it would be yeah. wool. Yeah, this is not wool. No. This is some not. synthetic material. Yeah. Yeah nice soft plastic yeah i just love being wrapped up in plastic like i'm a happy meal toy (laughs) Mm, you're just making me more comfortable yeah now yeah his legs are fully spread well i'm covered with a blanket (laughs) well hey everyone i'm harper i'm jonathan and this is hot guys Authentic knowledge and feelings. I feel it, I feel it. Hey, I know where you're going with this. You want a little clip that makes everybody laugh and feel good. You know what I mean? Instead of saying, like, whoa. But I'm really not funny. No, no, no. no. What? <laughs> okay. Kaka, indeed. Uh, yeah, today we are talking about 24 hours to live. Yeah, is that what it's called? Yeah, 24 hours to live. I keep thinking it's called 24 hours to kill. No, no it's, it's called 24 hours to live. Um, yeah, starring Ethan Hogg, of course. Directed by Brian Smurz. He has yeah, no vowels is, I, in his yeah, last name. S M R Z. Yeah, it's pronounced Smurz. How is that even possible? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I did pull up his did Wikipedia. Have, did, he have to, did he have to sell off some vowels to get the funding for this movie? <laughs> it's possible. Um, it doesn't really have a lot about his 
you know, childhood, personal life and how he got the name Brian Spurs. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he's the twin brother. Oh, no, it must be their actual name because he's the twin brother of the stuntman Brett Smurz. Oh, who died while performing a stunt jump off a building. Wow. Dang. We need stuntman Oscars. We do. I really fully believe that stunt actors should be awarded in the Academy Awards. Mm -hmm. Um, Or at, at the very least, stunt director, choreographers, like... You know, there should be some awards for stunts because they do some really incredible yeah. work and if it's we're completely have sound unrecognized. And sound yeah. Editing, VFX, come on. Come on. Yeah, we can we can include category. the stunt the stunt people. They and deserve then movies it. like um, you know, what's that one? Vin Diesel, Bloodshot. Bloodshot? So that one's gonna win all the it's Oscars gonna sweep anyway. at the yeah. oscars anyway the only movie that was in theaters in 2020 yeah best picture best actress even though there are no women in that movie i see there oh there's <laughs> a, his dead wife uh, exactly <laughs> best actress to his dead wife yeah speaking of dead wives mm. 24 hours to kill 24 hours to live or is it i mean yeah he has 24 hours Damn to live <laughs> um yeah, so, oh, I think we should talk about Brian Smurz for a little bit, because sure. he's actually very interesting. Okay. So, he is a stunt coordinator and a second unit director. That's kind of, like, his main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did go on to direct this movie and another film called Hero Wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, but, I mean, he's primarily a stunt coordinator, so that's kind of an interesting way to think about this movie. Um, because he's not coming from it from like a writing perspective or a directing perspective originally like he's Mm. first and foremost a stunt coordinator who became a director later right that and that's that changes some things because i i mean i think that that's pretty cool you know to do that yeah i think that's a pretty cool move i feel like you don't see that a lot i feel like it also kind of makes sense given the writing and directing yeah for sure for sure but, you know, there was some good action stuff in this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so Brian Smurz most notably uh, worked on the stunt work for... I mean, he's worked on the stunt work for... Hold on, I have it pulled up. For over 80 movies. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, But most notably, Mission Impossible 2. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you love that movie. Well, the stunts well, yeah. in that movie has some... There's one of the most iconic mission impossible stunts ever is in mission impossible 2 mm-hmm. it's a scene where tom cruise with his long hair and the pouty <laughs> european looking guy they're riding motorcycles on the desert mm-hmm. and they ride the motorcycles toward each other kind of like a game of chicken mm-hmm. and then i don't remember if they jump off a ramp or something i don't know exactly what happens <laughs> but they jump in the air off the motorcycles mm-hmm. and kick each other like mid-air. <laughs> that's, that, that's quite a stunt. Yeah, it's so ridiculous but so fun. And there's a scene where he like, uh, where Tom Cruise, uh, spoiler alert, I guess. but the, This movie came out so long ago. Yeah, and also me telling you what happens does not ruin the fun of it. Because you have to see it to believe it. You yeah. have to see Brian Smurr's work to believe it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The guy is like pointing the the bad guy is pointing the gun at Tom Cruise, and then Tom Cruise like kicks the gun out of the sand, 
and then mm-hmm. like catches it and shoots him. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. All right, what were you saying? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Mission uh, Impossible yeah. Two and Live Free or Die Hard is the other kind of big one. Oh, that one has some good songs too. But he's also done. I'm just gonna list off. Uh, there's so many on here. X Men Origins Wolverine, Signs. Love that movie. Um, Face Off. Um, yeah, he's got some, he's got some crazy cuts. Oh, Color of Night, the first movie my parents ever took me to in a theater because I was one week old and they just wanted to get out to the movies. Wow. So I just, I slept through it. And now we're here. Yeah. So really my whole life, uh, yeah, I was a week old. I was Well, you did, but you could have cried through it. At a week old? I'm, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. What do one week olds do? I don't know, but I slept a lot as a baby. That's the main thing. My parents took me to the movies for like the first year and a half because mm. I just slept. And then by the time I was a year and a half old, I was like too engaged. Maybe so. that's why you fall asleep during violent movies. Yeah, because I was started off early with Color of Night, the Bruce Willis movie. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a violent movie. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. I don't think I've actually seen it like as a fully realized human. You probably don't need I to. I don't think I need to. But anyway, so Brian Smurz worked on that film, the first film I was ever wow. present for. And we've come full circle. We have. We have. So now today we're here talking about 24 Hours to Live. Um, I got to be honest. We watched this movie on Sunday before the Emmys mm-hmm. just to date ourselves because this episode's going to come out in like a month. So... Just so everyone knows, uh, at the time that we're recording, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died not that long ago. The Emmys yes. happened. Uh, you know, that's kind of where we're at. Oh, Breonna Taylor's uh, killers went without being uh, indicted for anything except for shooting the neighbor's walls. So, um, you know, that's kind of where we're at right now. Yes. If we were going to put a date on the time that we're recording this but yeah so we watched 24 hours to live on sunday today it is thursday yes and we have had some time to sit with it think about other things and for me i feel like mostly i've had time to forget about this movie it Uh just did not stick in my brain like most other ethan hawk films that we've watched Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like all i can think of in my head is action sequences which understandably brian smurr is an expert at the action sequence sure is yeah you know and i love that for him but for me i'm losing the substance of the movie Mm -hmm. in my mind Mm -hmm. but i did take notes i will say i only took two pages of notes and i usually take like six pages of notes that's insane i took my average length which is three quarters of a page wow we're so different. I'm just kidding. I you usually know what? Do. And that's what makes us such compatible podcast hosts because we're so different. I usually do like, okay, between a page and a half, between three quarters of a page and a page and a half. That's my usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Listen, we, we both interact with these movies differently. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. that works for us. Um... So let's, should we just hop into this? Do we need to, we didn't do any check-in. Is that fine? Are we fine? Yeah, let's we're just, We're just on. doing this movie. We're okay. So let's talk about this movie. Um, So the movie starts and it's like, I don't know, kind of like desert environment. Saban. 
Oh, yes, it's a Saban film. Yeah, Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's like that Saban. It's a family, a Saban family, I think. You don't think it's the Power Rangers? I don't think it's Power Rangers, Saban. You don't think it's the same Saban? You think there's a different Saban? I think it's probably a family of Sabans. Yeah, well, they're probably the same company. The Power Rangers. I'm looking into it right now. Yeah, well, and yeah, no, I like that movie. You didn't even watch that movie. What movie? Saban's Power Rangers? Well, no, yeah, Saban is just, they just own the Power Rangers. Are they on the Power Rangers? Yeah. I thought you were talking about the 2016 film, no, Saban's Power no, no, Rangers. No, I'm talking about the Power, like Power Rangers, just Power Rangers in general. In general? Yeah. The military, the military uh, branch, the Power Rangers. I'm sorry, it was the 2017 film. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it is the same Saban. You're right. Yeah, how many different Sabans could there be? I don't be? know. I know. I thought it was like a family of Sabans. Yeah, pirates. Yeah, sorry. Okay, so it's Haim Saban, who is the founder of Saban Capital Group, which owns Saban Films. And then also he is the uh, executive producer producer of uh, the Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. I'm saying you're right. Who's your favorite Power Ranger? Um, The yellow one. The yellow one? Yeah. That's fun. Because she's cool and gay mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i'm into that i remember they once had a, a red ranger crossover episode mm-hmm. where they had all the red rangers came together mm-hmm. it's pretty sick yeah i don't think i saw that but i do believe you've told me about it several times it was important to me i know and i respect that did you watch the power rangers I watched it, like, on Saturday mornings, but not in any kind of meaningful order, you know what I mean? Like, if it was on, I'd watch it, but I didn't really, like, follow the Power Rangers, you know? They would, it was interesting, because they would do, they would have, like, different amounts, different numbers of Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was, there was, like, the Space Force one or whatever. There was, like, the Time Force one. Mm-hmm. There was just, like, the regular one. And that was, like, a, a bigger team. It was, like, five or something like that. Yeah, like in my f- head, it's five that turned into the big team. the big robot Power Ranger. Yeah, well, the big robot is, like, a robot that I think they get into. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I'm not saying it's, like, one big person. <laughs> I'm saying that it's five of them, and they get into little machines that connect, like, a transformer. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're, like, a big robot together. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like all about teamwork and the Red Ranger is like, Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's yeah, and then there's the space one and there was like the tiger one. And there was like the white ranger mm-hmm. and the black ranger. And it's yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's my review. <laughs> Jonathan's it. review of the Power <laughs> There were like all these different Rangers, and yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I did like Saban's Power Rangers. I would recommend it to you. Is if that you the movie? Enjoy- yeah. Th- from 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, with Elizabeth Banks as the villain. Um, That's fun. And, um, they always had, Power Rangers always had really crazy villains. Yeah. I had a Power Ranger puzzle game. Like a physical puzzle? No, it was like a computer game. A computer it was like a game. disc. Okay. It's like a, a CD-ROM. A CD-ROM game, yeah. <laughs> and you like solved the puzzle, and then you got to like watch a little scene. So like the puzzle you were putting together <laughs> was like a scene from the show, and once you finished the puzzle, 
this a scene would happen and there was like some really like easy ones where it was like 12 pieces or whatever mm-hmm. and then there were some that were like more complicated there was somewhere it was like the regular puzzle pieces you know with a little loop-dee and a little hole uh, yeah. and then there was the one like the little squares uh-huh. and then there was the little zigzags wow that sounds like a really wild game <laughs> yeah and then you got to watch the little movies <laughs> <laughs> I watched um, Saban's Power Rangers. I rented it on Redbox. This was probably before I had internet in my home. There was a mm-hmm. long there was a long period where I didn't have internet in my home, and I was sick, so I stayed home from work. But I was like, I need something to do because I have no internet in my home. So I went to the Redbox and I rented a few movies. I got Saban's Power Rangers. You have to call it by its full title. Um, I got Office Party, mm-hmm. and I got assassin's creed and i don't know if i was really sick but i genuinely enjoyed all three movies <laughs> so much <laughs> i had a great day i was like i was feeling horrible i was feeling my worst physically but like i had such a good time mm-hmm. i love all of those movies very nice yeah yeah michael fassbender as Ezio auditore hmm <laughs> hmm Anyway, um, back to 24 Hours to Live. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So the movie starts and we're in some kind of desert. Right. uh, But there's water. No. Africa, I believe. I don't know. I don't think they say. Do they? I think they do. Oh, okay. Well, they're in a desert. They're in a desert in Africa. And um, Ethan Hawke is drinking and wearing a denim shirt. You, like, just completely skipped the first 15 minutes of the movie. What are you talking about? What am I talking about? He, that's how it starts. That's not how the movie starts. <laughs> oh, that's my second note after Saban. <laughs> okay, my first note is the O in hours looks like a rifle target thing. Oh, yeah, there's some other stuff that happens, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 there's some other stuff that happens. It's a good so, thing you take such detailed notes. Yeah, can, uh, be careful there. Yeah, your mic just kind of popped out. Oh. Is it in now? Yeah, no, I can hear it now. Oh, you okay. just were out for a second. Sorry. Yeah, just when you like, you know. I'll be careful. Yeah. Um, yeah, also the more you hold it closer to the top of the mic, the better it is because when you're at the bottom, sometimes I think you tap the the place where it's connected to the cord. Okay, how's this? It's great. Microphone police. <laughs> <laughs> Microphone police? Do you want us to have an unlistenable podcast? <laughs> Some say we already do. <laughs> It's a joke. It's a joke. It was an easy comeback. I think we have a great podcast, and I think it should win some awards, some potties, as I call them. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So there's a guy that's in a car, and there's a woman that's driving the car, and Mm -hmm. he's talking, he's like reflecting on his life, you know? Mm-hmm. He's being like, oh, I worked for the military, but then this yes. other company, Red Mountain, was offering me so much more money, and I thought it would be great. You know, I wouldn't have to move my family around so much. Uh, and I don't know. He's doing a lot of reflecting, and the woman who's driving the car doesn't really seem to care that much. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm doing a job here. Let's just stay professional. Yeah. He's um, doing some. Uh- reflecting and exposition yes exposition that doesn't make any sense until like a third (laughs) of the way into the movie because he's saying all these things that are like i have no idea who you are what this organization is you're talking about or why anything that's about to happen is happening also red mountain just sounds like a local brewery (laughs) you know what i mean like it doesn't sound like a yeah it does group of assassins 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, but they end up driving into, like, the middle of a big shootout. Mm-hmm. It was clearly a trap. Um, and she recognizes it right away. And this is the first time that oh, you know yeah. that she's, like, really good at her job. Right. Because they start to drive up to where they're supposed to go. She looks left. She looks right. And she's like, oh, shit. And then she, like, reverses the car and tries to get out of there. But they've already started shooting by that point. Yeah. But you know that she knows what to look for in these kinds of situations. What kind of situation? I don't know. But she knows. And that's what's important here. Mm-hmm. She's very good at her job. She knows. She knows. Um, and they, oh, and then she gets shot in the hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does manage to drive one-handed, like a stick shift, drive one-handed and get out of there. Um, and then that's when it cuts to Ethan Hawke in Florida drinking and yes. denim shirt and yes, fishing. He's so fishing right. on the beach in Florida. Yes, with an old man. Do you know who that old man is? Rutger Hauer. Indeed. I looked it up. You looked it up. Yeah. Nice. The reason, okay, so I was on his Wikipedia page. Yeah. And he was in a movie called Lady Hawk uh-huh. and also a movie called Night Hawks. <laughs> it's a lot of hawk names it's a lot of hawk names do you know what he was like what he's like really known for no blade runner oh yeah he is Is tears in the rain uh yeah i think so he is um you know the guy robbie roddy what is his name uh roy roy batty roy batty yeah tears in the rain he's tears in the rain roy batty from blade runner wow yeah i thought you would you would know him because yeah, that's your favorite familiar, thing but he what because that's one of your favorite things is tears in the rain yeah tears in the rain sometimes i just talk about tears in the rain yeah like how he improvised that or whatever mm-hmm. i don't know uh, that's probably not true i don't know i've heard it before, we can though. say it's true yeah um but yeah so that's who that is so Ethan Hawke is like fishing at the beach in Florida with this old man played by Rodger Hauer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't really know what their like relationship is at yeah. this point. Um, but he's dispensing some advice. Yeah. About catching fish. Yeah. And they both seem pretty drunk. Yes. Ethan Hawke says you can't catch fish. And then <laughs> he's like, oh, it's because you have no soul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a pretty cutting thing to say to someone. Yeah. Usually, if you're not, if you're having a bad day on the lake, you say something like, oh, you'll get him next time. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if you were doing something for the first time? Okay, this is, they know each other, but whatever. Yeah. Like, let's say you were, like, practicing driving. And then uh-huh. the driving instructor was, you were like, oh, I get scared to make left turns. And then the driving instructor said, it's because you have no soul. Yeah, I don't think the stakes are as high for fishing on the uh, on the beach, though. As it is getting a driver's license? Yeah. Well, no, I think the idea is that the fish connect with fish people who have souls. <laughs> fish people. <laughs> I guess they're called fisher fishermen. They're called anglers, actually. Anglers, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't really make sense because fish don't want to get caught. So why would they... Yeah, why would they be attracted to people with fish souls or whatever? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I don't know. Don't think about it too hard. I think the big thing about this movie is not to think about it too hard. Okay. Do you not feel that way? Do we not have a podcast about movies where we talk about it? No, I know. I know. 
I, so we can gonna, bring them up I'm and address them. I'm going to go deep them. into the fish politics on okay. this one. Well, anyway, so um, after they are fishing for a while, we see Ethan Hawke and the old man um, release ashes into the ocean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't really know what this movie was going to be about, but then I think around this point we paused and then I saw the Netflix description of this movie and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! And then it revealed you to me. You didn't know that he was gonna have twenty four hours to live. I didn't know that it was gonna be exactly like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also didn't really know that it was gonna be. I mean, the description was like he has twenty four hours. He spends his last twenty four hours to mm-hmm. live uh, after being revived, uh, avenging his wife and sons murder which isn't exactly right yeah but because i read that description at this point i realized oh the ashes they released into the ocean were the ashes of his wife and son right it makes sense now right i get it um i kind of feel like i wish that the like exposition in this movie had been arranged in a slightly different order so that all of this information was revealed at different times (laughs) you know what i mean Uh, uh so that it would like make more sense as a viewer because i feel like you spend the first 15 to 20 minutes of this movie kind of trying to piece together what everything has to do with one Mm -hmm, another mm -hmm. um and i think that if you're gonna have the exposition in this movie like you do like we surely do, um, that at least it should like serve to tell the audience what's happening. Right, <laughs> should be exposed. Yeah. Have you seen Twenty Fifth Hour? No, I have not. It's pretty good. It's about a dude who's going to prison in twenty four hours. Mhm. Yes, you know, similar time thing, and he has to settle some stuff. Some business. Some business before he does. Yeah. And it stars Edward Norton. Hmm. And it is directed by Spike Lee. Hmm. I'm not great at Spike Lee. I, I'm not like a completist in any by any means. I've seen a few. Together we make. We've seen a few, right? Yeah, I feel like you've probably seen more than I have. Though. No, I know, but our our viewing combined. Complimentary. Because I haven't seen. Um, Bamboozled. Oh, I love Bamboozled. That's a great movie. And then I think I started it but didn't finish. I don't remember why. And then uh, School Days. Did I see that one? Yeah, I think you watched it with me because I had to watch it to write my thesis. Right. So I did see that one. Yeah. And then Do the Right Thing. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that I've one? S- yes, I have seen that. And then, I mean, if you're going to see one, like that's I feel, Yeah, I feel like if you go to film school, you've seen Do the Right Thing. Mm-hmm. That's like the one movie if you go to film if you get a degree in film and you haven't seen do the right thing then i feel like then you've done the wrong thing you've done the wrong thing that's right and then uh 25th hour Mm -hmm. and then uh i haven't seen malcolm x it's a movie i'd like to watch a lot it's just like almost four hours so i I need to like set some time aside to do that i know but we can watch like a whole day's worth of new girl (laughs) that's <laughs> true well Malcolm X I imagine is a little heavier I know I know and then uh, um, Black Landsman yes I've seen that yeah oh and his is uh, old boy I did not I see have that. not seen that but I'm just fascinated by the existence of that movie yeah why did he do that 
The man does what he wants. Oh, and Chirac. Oh, we saw that. Yeah. Yeah, I think we got that from the red box or something. Maybe. Yeah. Anywho, um, Ethan Hawke's name, the name of his character in this movie is Travis. And I just felt like that was important to say because um, it feels like a really Ethan Hawke name. Mm-hmm. Like any name that like a, a white teen in the 90s could have had. It's like an Ethan Hawke name to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I want to see his last name too because I think that was also pretty good. I'm just not seeing a hot 24 hours to live. Travis Conrad. Wow, what a two first name situation. Yeah. Yeah. He could have been Conrad Travis and we would never know. Yeah. I feel like Travis Conrad feels more like Ethan Hawke though than Conrad Travis. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a Conrad. Yeah, he seems like a Travis. Anyway, so Ethan Hawke uh takes he go he takes the older man home, you mm-hmm. know, and puts him to bed and he's like, I'm gonna go out for a walk. Uh-huh. And then he ends up at a strip club. Yes. Um, where he buys drugs from the bartender. Uh, and they have a whole exchange about like, oh, you like the girls tonight? And he's like, no, I don't look at the girls or what or something <laughs> like that. You know, he's, Dead he's, wife. yeah, he's morally Dead above, wife. uh, he's morally above the whole strip club thing. He's just there to get drugs. Dead wife. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, then he notices some guys come in and he, like fakes them out by going to the bathroom but then he goes into the woman's bathroom so that they go into the men's restroom to find him yeah um but then he traps them in there and then he like pours some like bleach and some other cleaning solution or something to like make a chemical bomb basically yeah um and then he throws it into the bathroom with them so that they're like almost choked out to death um i wonder what it was that he combined uh you can kind of combine bleach with a lot of things to get a toxic ammonia yeah vinegar Mm -hmm. bleach and vinegar they're kind of you i feel like that should be maybe everyone knows that but i feel like that should be more well known yeah i think combining bleach and because they're they're, they can be kind of like replacements for each other you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like if you want to like whiten shirts or whatever you can use vinegar or you can use bleach you can use them for cleaning to kill mold and stuff like that but if you use them together you get chlorine gas mm-hmm. which is bad for you yeah that's true this has been the, the psa of the episode thank you ad choices ad council that's what it's called ad council mm-hmm. so it turns out that those guys are from Red Mountain, which it's like, oh, yes, Red Mountain, company, yeah. it's that it's that thing that that guy was talking about in the car earlier. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we're kind of pulling together these tethers. So um, he knocks out those guys, basically, but he lets them out. He lets them live. Yeah, they live. But they're not having an easy time of it. And then he goes back to the bar and he meets up with his old friend Jim from Red Classic. Mountain. And he's and Jim's like, ah, those were my best guys. And, and then, like, didn't impress me, <laughs> dead wife. <laughs> Pretty much. And so Jim has a job for Travis, Ethan Hawk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, I'm I'm on hiatus. I'll be back on Monday. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, no, we need this job right now. 
And then he's like, well, how much is it? And then it's like one million, million a, day. a day. And then he's like, how much are you authorized to go up to? 1.5. And he's like, make it 2 million and we got a deal. So then he takes the job. Um, and the job is to find out the location of that guy from the beginning of the film. Yes. Uh, and he does that by tracking down the woman who is driving the car. Mm-hmm. Her name is mm-hmm. Lynn Bissett. Uh, who's played by Chu King. And um, so he goes to her family's house in Hong Kong. And uh, she has she has a son, which is like triggering for him because he had a son, had a son also. Along with his dead wife. And a dead wife. So he he immediately addresses that he doesn't feel good about like doing something bad to a woman who has a son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, okay, this is my job. I'm getting paid $2 million a day to do this. I can power through it. So he goes and he gets, uh, he lifts um, the phone of the son so that he can find yes. her information. Mm-hmm. And he learns that she's going to come out. Uh, she's going to be flying back to Hong Kong from Cape Cod, South Africa. Right, is it Cape Cod? No, that's not right. Cape. 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 Cape Town. Cape Town. Thank you. Cape, Cape Cod yeah. is in. I know. The east. northeast. Northeast. Yeah. yeah, I know. Cape Town. I was gonna Cape say Town, Cape South Canaveral, Africa. which is yeah, I know Florida. that's Florida. Yeah. Lots too many capes, you know. Yeah. And you know the woman from The Incredibles would say no capes. Um. Anyway, so she's. Did you watch that movie? You've seen that. Yes, movie? I wanted to move on. <laughs> anyway but she won't let me <laughs> of course i've seen the incredibles <laughs> you can host this podcast if you want you can take over i thought i was a host <laughs> oh am i like a um, assistant? i don't know do you have two pages of notes like i do <laughs> listen there are two microphones and we're both holding them i know that doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> There are two microphones and we're each holding one. <laughs> we're both holding both. <laughs> yeah, we're both holding both of them. This, <laughs> I feel like people, are, hopefully the listeners at home are trying to visualize what's going on. I'm spread out on the couch with a blanket and we're both holding both mics that we're recording. Yeah, I'm just standing next to the couch holding on to both yes. microphones. No, we're doing the, the uh, first reform thing where we're lying on top oh, of each yeah. other. And somehow we're getting this really great separate audio, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though our faces are touching. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Ethan Hawke goes to Cape Town, South Africa, and um, he finds Lynn Bissett mm-hmm. and takes her out on a date. He like does some, you know, some smooth moves and he cancels yeah. her flight, you know, like a yes. big super spy. Yeah. and um he he smooth talks her and there's a crossword puzzle and she knows the clue yes Ugh, it's so hot was i it love christian it. christopher it's with a saint of traveling and yeah, the answer yeah. is christopher and i said i knew it before she said it yeah, yeah. i was like i know that i could go on a date with ethan hawk um but anyway so they go on a date and on that date he reveals that his wife and son have died and then they have sex. Mm-hmm. 
the sh- and when they do hook up, they're in a hotel room, like probably an airport hotel. Um, and the shot is like really reminded me of shame. You know that Michael? Mm. Did you watch that? Yeah, I have, yeah, yeah. So like the way that like they're up against the window basically and the mm. camera is outside like on the other side of the window reminded me a lot of that scene where he has where michael fassbender has sex with nicole bahari against the window in mm-hmm. that big apartment mm-hmm. it's just what it made me think of yeah yeah shame is a great movie it's like <laughs> so intense it's really intense so i think it's so intense. yeah oh my god yeah not a family film it's not a family film but i mean like, it have is you a family ever... film <laughs> <laughs> i know like have you ever expected a brother and sister to fuck more than in that movie and then they didn't <sighs> spoiler spoiler alert but like shocking <laughs> so it is a family film <laughs> um the There's only no other time that incest. i've expected incest so much is when uh in stoker where Mia Wasikowska plays the niece of mm-hmm. Matthew Good. Mm-hmm. That was like the like the sexual tension between those two characters is like really scary off the charts. I feel like that's probably largely a Matthew Good situation. You yeah, know I mean? mean the sexual tension between Matthew Good and anyone else who's on screen with him. Yeah, off the charts. Yeah, I don't know how he does it. It's amazing. Yeah, like even with like Teresa Palmer, love her, no offense, but like she's. N- not the most dynamic actor, I mm-hmm. will say. Mm-hmm. Like between the two of them, like radiating it's off the screen. It's probably because there he could do it with any actor because they stop acting at a certain point. You know what I mean? Yeah, just because he's so hot, just like just, to be around him. Is... Yeah, they just they it, it they just feel it genuinely, so yeah. they're not even acting anymore. Yeah, that's how powerful it is. He's so powerful. But, you know, we're talking about another powerful man today, and that's Ethan Hawke. <laughs> Transitions are a disaster. What? I thought that was as good as I could get on that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no incest in this movie. How do I transition from Matthew Good? Your usual transition, which is, um, yeah. So So I tried. <laughs> I tried on this one. I know. I'm just kidding. So rude. I'm I've been crying the whole time we've been you. recording. Been crying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be nice. I'll be nice. No, I'm just kidding. Um. So yeah. So then the next morning, um, after they bone, they go to the bone zone. Uh, he's what he, are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You can do this if you want. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Yeah. After they go to the bone zone. <laughs> um he's he's gonna kill her because it's the it's what he should do professionally he should kill her and so you see this whole sequence where he like puts a silencer on his gun and he stands up to the the glass of the shower and like shoots her but then he doesn't do it he just copies the, the data from her phone and then leaves um but because he does that then she realizes what's going on and she catches up to him and then kills him Yes, they and have it's a shootout. Like, yeah, big shootout. She's shoot like, out. "Hey, tourist, what what does she call him?" I forget. She says, "Hey." Oh, hey, salesman. Salesman, yeah, because yeah, because that's he, his cover. Yeah, yeah. Which is a really terrible cover. He he says something like, it, "He doesn't even try to cover." He's like, "I sell things to people that are dangerous," 
yeah. need dangerous. Like he says something that's so contrived. Yeah. That it sounds like he's an assassin. For sure. I mean, of or course. Or like he, he or he's like a traveling dildo salesman. Like he, <laughs> like it's one of those two things. Uh huh. So after he's dead, we you think, oh, that's the end for old Ethan Hawke. <laughs> that's the end of this movie. <laughs> but no. Uh, he wakes up and we see it's, uh, there's a woman doctor named Dr. Helen. I don't think we ever learned her last name. Her name is just Dr. Helen, which it's, is, uh, it's s- Helen Helen. That's her name. Don't, I hope that's the her case. Her name is Dr. Helen Helen. Because like, that's just so like women can't even be doctors and have last names. You know <laughs> what I mean? We have to call him Dr. Helen. Like they're like a pediatrician. We can't have, we can't, you can't have both. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Dr. Helen brings him back to life and she's played, we should note, by um, Natalie Bolt, who is Penelope Blossom in Riverdale. Oh, wow. I forgot about Riverdale. You forgot about Riverdale? Kind of. We've been doing Riverdale Film Fest. Yeah, but it's so divorced from like... I don't know. We just watched Dangerous Lies and that felt not that divorced from Riverdale. Yeah, that's true. In that it was... Goofy. Goofy, yeah. <laughs> <And> dumb. <laughs> um, no, we love Riverdale and we love everything Netflix puts out, including Dangerous Lies. <laughs> Blink twice if Netflix has put a chip in your brain that's gonna explode in twenty four hours. Uh, You're covering your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so you blinked <laughs> they got information out you of ethan twice. hawk because oh. ethan hawk knew where the guy was gonna be right <laughs> yeah this is crazy <laughs> so they bring him back to life which is i'm sure not cheap yeah just so they can get this information just to kill him immediately after yeah that's what the they're point, do. Yeah, the point is that she's supposed to kill him again immediately. Yeah. But he manages to escape because he's like a super agent. Like, they're so dumb. They left him alone for like a minute or something, which is so dumb with someone who's as talented as Ethan Hawke, you know? Yeah, even if he's gotten a little soft. Yeah, even if he died, like, he's still better than everyone else, mm-hmm. clearly. So... He grabs like he grabs a scalpel and he manages to like, you know, shave off the the binds that are yeah, holding him yeah. down. And he pretends that he's like asleep. And then when she comes back in, he holds the scalpel up to her. And then he, you know, gets kills out the of there. Guy. He kills the other guy. He gets a gun. He's shooting everyone. Uh, and then they're out. But then he does start to hallucinate. So we learn from the doctor that he'll only be able to live Helen, for twenty four hours. Yes. Hence the name of the film, 24 Hours to Live. Yeah, and they put a little computer in his arm. Yeah, it looks like um, In Time, you know, mm-hmm. that movie that Andrew Nichol, mm-hmm. Andrew Nichol, mm-hmm. the director of many Ethan Hawke films, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, In Time with Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried, they also have time codes on their on their arms. Amanda that tell them in that movie? She's the main woman character in I that movie. I thought it was, uh, what's her name? Olivia. No, Olivia Wilde is Justin Timberlake's mother. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because women can't age. 
No, no one ages in that movie except for Vincent Carthizer seems older than the rest of them. It's Is fine. Is he the bad guy? Yeah, he's the bad guy. Well, he's Amanda Seyfried's father. Oh. It is a little complicated. Everyone, like, they stop aging at 30, basically. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Logan's run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, Ethan Hawke has this little time code so that he could see how long he has to live. It's in his wrist. Um, it really does look exactly the same as in time. And yeah. this movie came out a year later. So I'm not saying anything, but <laughs> maybe they had the same people working on both movies. Movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But the other thing is that he's going to start like uh, mentally and physically like breaking down over the course of this 24 hour period. So pretty immediately he starts hallucinating and he sees his son, his dead son. Um, And then throughout the course of the movie, he has all these interactions with his like hallucinated dead son where it's like, come be with me, dad. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. And it's it's, real inception. Yeah. I forgot everything about Inception. I need to watch it again. There's a scene where he like keeps seeing his son. I forgot he had kids. Daughter. Yeah, he keeps seeing his kids like appearing in random places that they're not actually there. Oh yeah, and the so the thing that's inside of him that's gonna kill him in 24 hours is called the Lazarus Unit, which is like classic yeah. media. You yeah. know, like okay, they brought someone back to life. They called it Lazarus. I get it. Like I read the Bible. It's fine. Um, and the, yeah, so, oh, and then, so he's, like, trying to figure out what he's going to do with his 24 hours, Mm -hmm. and he calls the old man, whose name is Frank, and we learn then that it was his father-in-law. Yes. Um, and Ethan Hawke is basically calling him to say goodbye, because he's going to die, and he knows that, and he has some business he needs to take care of. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that oh, the original guy from the beginning of the movie, whose name is Zira, I wrote that down at this point. We didn't know his name before then. This is part of my issue with the way that we had so much exposition at the beginning that was like out of context. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know who this man is. I don't know what role he plays in this film. It just was too hard to like fit it in. But then around this point, everything really falls into place. Mm-hmm. So the man's name is Zira, and he is testifying to the UN about Red Mountain and their experiments on civilians. So it turns out that they've killed like, I don't know, like 80 people, yeah. like refugees in South Africa. Um, because they're testing this Lazarus project, Lazarus unit situation on on them and so zira is going to testify about how he witnessed all of these dead bodies and basically they all got like hazard pay because you know they were working for red mountain and this is like out of their normal job but they had to like make a mass grave basically for all these people that had died being experimented on and then what's his face is in the Ethan Hawke's old buddy, whatever his name is. Jim. Yes. They send him to kill. uh, Yeah, to kill Zira and Lynn. Um, So she was supposed to go back to Hong Kong. But after the whole thing with Ethan Hawke, she's like, no, I'm sticking around. I'm going to be here with this guy. 
and he's he's like in the process of testifying to the UN and Jim like shoots up the whole building. Yeah. Um and a bunch of guys from Red Mountain go in and they're all trying to take down Zira. But Lynn luckily is like a badass. She is able to like single handedly protect him from like twenty guys, you know? And um she gets him out of the building and just when they get out of the building, uh Ethan Hawk pulls up in a taxi that he stole and uh they get in. And so Ethan Hawk and Lynn are buddying up. And <laughs> <laughs> turns out that Zero's dying. What? He got shot. Yeah. And he's not like dying though. That's just a weird way to say that. Okay, he's in the process of dying because he has a bullet in him. He gets shot in this whole thing. Yes. But like not not while they're still in the building. They get in the building. They leave the building. They're in the car. They're in the car for a while and it seems like they're in the clear. They're all safe. It seems like they're going to be fine and they'll be able to like deliver his testimony. Right. But then after right, they've right, like right, escaped right. the shooting and several car incidents and more shooting... Then he gets shot, and then he dies. Right. Um, but he had the memory card. Yes, and so then the whole thing gets to be about protecting Lynn and the memory card. And then it also turns out that her son gets taken. Yeah, they take her son because she has the memory <laughs> card. <laughs> I feel like you're t- describing this in a really passive way, but like everything, like you're right, active voice. Yeah, active we voice. need to use active voice. You're the writer. I'm not. Son I don't even write taken. anything. <laughs> memory card. Need bring. <laughs> okay. Bring memory card. Son taken. So. They kidnap Lynn's son because she has the memory card. <laughs> active voice. <laughs> that's, re- that's a really good active voice. Thank you. I that went to elementary is, school. <laughs> that voice is very active. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they... Ethan active Hawk, is the way your voice is. <laughs> On do go. <laughs> Okay, Ethan Hawke. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, they brought him back. He has 24 hours to live. For my two page. <laughs> he has 24 <laughs> hours to live. <laughs> He's got the SD card. Yankees suck. Uh, dead son. Jeez, I really did not take a lot of notes. See, and I was worried. I didn't remember <laughs> this movie at all. You took three notes. I took Yankees it. suck dead son. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Ethan Hawk is like, Lynn, we're going to get your son back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? I, just, I agree with you. <laughs> Let's get her son back, yeah. <laughs> you, agree, you agree we should get her son back? <laughs> I think we should, yeah. I don't know what... Why do you not like the way I do this podcast? <laughs> how has this, this not come up before? 
I don't. What is? I don't know. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? <laughs> I'm, I'm agreeing with you, and then you get you get you make the mad face. <laughs> we should we should get her son back. You know she's a fictional character. <laughs> that's what we're. No, they get her son back. That's what we're doing. We're getting her son back right now. We can't get her son back. The characters in the movie. Will oh get yeah, because we're back. social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because we're social distancing. <laughs> okay, go on. I can't. I'm crying. Okay. Well, I didn't take notes, so I guess we'll just have to take a break. <laughs> Should I do a mid-show hog fact? <laughs> No. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna wrap this up. <laughs> wrap what up? The episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're only halfway through. No, we're not. We're at the almost at the end of page two. <laughs> <laughs> of six? No, I only took two pages of notes. Looks like you didn't even watch this movie. So Ethan Hogg says we're gonna get your son back. He knows a guy uh named Amal in south africa and they they go to his house and they tell him yeah. what's up listen red mountain you know them and i'm all like yeah they do a lot of like donating and like you know community service stuff in the area and he's like yeah but did you also know that he they're like killing refugees by experimenting on them so then amal gets all of his local guys and they come up against Red Mountain when, because Ethan Hawk knows the route that they're going to take with the sun because he knows everything, that, like all of their strategies. So he, they are able to block them off. Yes, 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 yes. And surround them and then kind of like fight them. Uh, so it's Ethan Hawk and Lynn and then all of the local guys. And so while this big standoff is happening, Ethan Hawk has one of his like hallucinations and he's completely useless during the entire yeah, fight basically yeah. he like falls to his knees and his nose is bleeding um but lynn and the local guys are able to you know kind of do some work despite the fact that the local guys are fighting with like kitchen knives yeah and like planks of wood and yeah. like whatever they have on hand it's ridiculous well, I mean, they're really motivated because they're upset about what's happened to all of their, like, families. Yeah, I know. But these guys, yes, yes. You know, it's it's emotional for them. It is. And it's not really emotional for the Red Mountain guys. They're just in it for a paycheck. But, but they're also, like, professional the, assassins. I know. But you can't, you know, you can't underestimate the power of a, an emotional person whose family member has been killed. That's very true. That's, That's very what true. I've learned from every movie I've ever seen. I mean, sometimes having more one side, having more resources does not guarantee victory. That's Look at true. the last uh, 50 years of American military conflicts. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so they end up blowing up one of the cars, but two of them no they end up blowing up two of the cars but the one with lynn's son is in it is fine yeah oh they blow up one car and then they commandeer another one the one with yes. lynn's son they take him away because they're still kidnapping him but ethan hawk knows the route so he's able to take the car yeah, well, go he around knows that the son is not in the back car because yeah he's not in the back car he's not in the front car right because and they yeah. take the front car um so they 
cut that car off and they're able to like get the son back yeah and so then after that um he's like you need to go and get that card to the un and like you and your son need to be safe and then Ethan Hawk, meanwhile, goes to Red Mountain HQ, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he uh, basically kills everyone. Yes, it's great. Um, it's a this is like a kind of fun climax to the movie. Yeah, he's in like a SUV that he's mm-hmm. stolen. Yeah, and then he it's the it's the same one that they had the son in, and so he basically right. he has a gun pointed to the driver, and he's like, "Listen, you're gonna go, and you're gonna act like everything is normal." Or I'll kill you. So um, that's how he gets in. Um, and then he shoots a lot of people. Then he sets up some C4 explosions. Yeah, I don't know how exactly he has. He had the C4 because they went to like his old. Um... No, I know. I just mean how how he could have set it up while he's in the whatever. It's fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. But yeah, he drives through. He like puts like bulletproof vests on the windows and uh-huh. then, like drives yes. through the middle of the like this business plaza mm-hmm. into the building blows up the elevator yeah and takes the stairs yeah um oh and there's a really fun line um where this isn't ethan hawk but uh but um jim i think he, yeah, yeah after when they uh when all these things are going on people are dying explosions are happening jim goes it's him and it's about Ethan Hawke. Oh, I thought you were going to say when fun. he says, stay frosty, Oh, boys. yeah. I also had that written down. But he said yeah. both of those things. And they're both fun. Yeah. Very yeah. silly. So so Jim and then some guards and the main bad guy. Yeah. The, the main CEO bad guy, of- I also want to say, is played by Liam Cunningham, who um, you didn't watch Game of Thrones, but most people would probably know him as Davos, I think, from Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. And he's and they're they're all holed up together in like the in like the executive of the, office suite. Yes, yes. And he's like, no one's getting in here. <laughs> yeah. It turns out Ethan Hawke manages to get in there. Yeah, and then he shoots pretty much everyone except for the CEO guy and Jim. Yeah, and Jim's the entire time is just like sitting at the this little like, you know, bar and having a drink. Yeah, because he knows what's coming. Because he knows what's coming for him, you know. Yeah. If like if Ethan Hawke wants to kill him, that's it, you know. So um, the one thing that I thought was pretty interesting, like fun about this scene, just like uh, setup wise, is that there are these two giant fish tanks in the office. Yeah. And Ethan Hawke shoots and kills like so many people and does not hit these fish tanks until yeah. at the very towards the end of the big shootout. Then he someone shoots the fish tanks and they blast open and the fishers the fish are like flopping on the ground. Yeah. But it was it was fun to see them like shoot around them so much. Um. But yeah, so then in the end, uh, it's like him and the two guys, and he has a gun in each hand pointed at each of them. Classic, classic action Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, look, vibe. And and also he has like so much blood just like caked on his face. His entire face is covered in blood. Um, And then I didn't really take that many notes about the end. Does well, he kill Lamoth? No, he. 
he so the bad Wexler, the bad guy, admits that that it was that they were the ones that killed Ethan Oh, Hawk's his wife family. and child, yes. Because yes. he was he was gonna quit to be with his family mm-hmm. and then But he's too good. Yeah. They can't let him go. Yeah, and then and he's like, Jim, you did this. And he's like, Listen, it was your family or mine. You know? Yeah. It's like, damn, dude. But then Jim is the one that ends up killing Wexler. Yes. Yeah. And then does he die? I don't remember. I don't remember either. But um, plot twist, we're getting down to the very end of Ethan Hawke's 24 hours. But then he doesn't die. He wakes mm. up and he's back with Dr. Helen, who's managed to revive him again. I know. It's crazy. And that's the end of the movie. And all we have left is uh, Ethan Hawke and the expectation of a sequel. Perhaps 25 hours to live. Um, and then God's going to cut you down. 24 hours to die. That's got to be the Ooh, sequel. Ooh, 24 hours to die. That's good. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, over the end credits, God's going to cut you down by Johnny Cash plays. Yeah, but it's like a cover. It was a cover? It was Johnny Cash? It was a cover. Oh, who was it? I don't know, but it was a cover. It was definitely not Johnny Cash's voice. For a long time. It was the same, like, run the music was very similar, but it was a definitely time. different singer. It was not Johnny for Cash. For a long time. Sooner or later, God'll cut you down. Sooner or later, God'll cut you down. Yep. That's right. Anyway, that's the end of the movie. Kaboom. Yeah, what'd you think? Uh, Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was very silly. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't very well written. There was, like, very little dimension to any of the characters or, like, substance to the plot. Um, I thought, you know, Ethan Hawke does what Ethan Hawke does. Oh, uh, did you... Did you have a most Ethan Hawke line? I didn't, actually, unfortunately. I did. You did? What did you have? He had, somebody's got to do something. <gasps> he said that? Yeah. Wow. He did. I don't remember what it was in reference to because. Yeah. But he said that. That's crazy. It's probably oh, about it the about experimenting on the refugees. Yeah. 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 That's great. I was so like. To me, this movie was just so uninspiring that I just couldn't even like focus on the words that were happening. And I'm sorry. Brian Smurz, I think you did an excellent job on that final fight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really enjoyed like the, you know, anytime something physical was happening in this movie, I will say it was like done very well. Um, but I just, the words did mm-hmm. not really happen for me in a way that made me want to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I fall in this movie. Yeah. It wasn't, like, the worst movie I've ever seen. No. no, no, no. It just wasn't, like, very memorable It was, it was entertaining. It just wasn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't stick with you. Yeah. I just kind of, like, I would have, like, rearranged it or something or, like, made certain things bigger than other things. And I don't know. Yeah, it just needed a little bit of like judging. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of an edit. In the, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, it was like, yeah, it was just, I just needed a little something and then it would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. The people of The Hollywood Reporter were kind of on a similar page. Um, they said, it's a straight up, it's straight up cat and mouse from here. And if Smurz's ample experience in stunt choreography generally keeps the action satisfying, it also makes him vulnerable to lapses of taste. By the time of the pick's climactic battle, Smurz is putting Hawk in the kind of guns pointed both ways standoffs that only really said badass the first dozen or so times we saw them at the movies. Hawk delivers a workmanlike performance, but he can't redeem the third act's macho baloney. Sadly, Rutger Hauer, introduced in the opening and then wasted, doesn't come save him. Hmm. He does save himself, though. He does save himself. The assassins come and get him, Mm -hmm. and then he shoots them with a shotgun. He's like, right place, right time, or something. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to kill... Oh, this is what happened. Okay. They were going to kill Wexler, the Davos. Uh-huh. He was going to kill... Uh, what, what was her name? He was going to kill the girl. Lynn. And her son. And then Jim was like, no, don't do it. They're like, oh, oh we're in yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, don't do it or whatever. Because Bucks is on the ground. He can't give the order. So Jim's like, no, stand mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. I yeah. remember. I still don't remember if he dies or not, though. Who can say? Um, there was also a review in Variety, and they talked a little bit about Ethan Hawk too. They said, also elevating potentially generic material is Hawk, whose disinterest in macho cool proves useful. He'd rather play up his deadly hero's fallible distress than go for Rambo-like invincibility, which definitely adds more humor and humanity to the mix. Anderson and the rather briefly seen Hauer also managed some droll notes amid a supporting cast that's otherwise solid, but mostly has to play it straight. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was from Variety, and the first review was from The Hollywood Reporter. Gotcha. So, yeah, that's all I got. Um, Jonathan, do you have something you'd like to share with our listeners? I do. Is it time for a hawk fact? Yes. Oh, does it nice to do a hawk noise? No. Oh, Harper, do you want to do a hawk noise? <coughs> wow, that was beautiful. Thank you. Do you want to do a hawk noise, Jonathan? No, because I think I did one last time. You've, well, yeah, you did one once. Okay. So... Let's talk about. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. So, in my search, I found I stumbled upon theastrologyweb.com, <laughs> where they say, "What does a hawk symbolize? A hawk symbolizes illumination, creativity, rebirth." Oh, rebirth! Like Ethan Hawke gets rebirthed. Yes. And there's a Snopes article about uh the rebirth of the eagle according to a popular presentation eagles extend their lifespans by removing their beaks talons and feathers in order to grow new ones snopes rated this false unsurprising (laughs) but that's not my hawk fact because it's not a fact that's not a hawk it's not a hawk it's not a hawk and it's not a fact so there was this so in the movie 24 hours to die Live. Uh, okay in the movie 24 hours to live there's uh assassins mm-hmm. red mountain bad guys 
that steal the child right out of the nest. Damn. So I was looking at if hawks do that. And um, there was a video of a hawk. It didn't say what kind of hawk. And I'm not good enough at this to be able to tell. But it doesn't look like a red-tailed hawk. Um, there was a group of robins that were 14 days old. A little tiny nest of robins. And, then a hawk, and it was on camera. Because this guy... Just like a guy who, like, there was a nest set up outside his window. He's like, oh, I'll set up a camera and make, like, a little live stream of it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the people watch the robins being born and all that stuff. And then a hawk lands on the nest, looks at the camera, looks into the eyes of the camera. And then grabs two of the robins with the talons and just flies away. Crazy. And then the other robin jumps out of the nest. I assumed to its death, but it survived. And the robin that uh, that survived uh, apparently went on and returned to its family. And I have to assume decided to exact revenge against the hawk. I would hope so. For killing its siblings. So it's uh pretty uh you know but but that's nature. I mean that's what that's what birds do. That's what hawks do. They're predators. That's how they do. That's how they do. They kill other birds, sometimes baby birds. Uh, they're predators. What do you do? So true. So that's my high fact. And this was uh as reported in Britain's greatest paper of record, the Daily Mail. Incredible. Yes. Well, Jonathan, do you have anything else to say? What did you think of this movie? I feel like I just talked and you didn't really. Um, It was, yeah, it was silly. It was not the best movie I'd ever seen. But I had an okay time with it. Some good action pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's all there, there's not, not too much to say about it. Yeah. Well, I've been Harper. You can find me on the internet, such as Twitter, uh, Pinterest, uh, Letterboxd, and so on and so forth at Harping About. Mm-hmm. Um, something I've been enjoying outside of Ethan Hawke is I have started watching the newest season of Sugar Rush. Uh-huh. Um, it's just a nice show. Nice. You get to see some people do some baking. Um, and this season there's some extra twists. I love a twist. Yeah. I didn't really feel like it was necessary exactly. Mm, I don't love a twist. But it's fine. And some people are getting some extra money out of it. So that's good. Cool. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, how about you? Where can the people find you? And what have you been enjoying outside of Ethan Hawk? Okay, my name is Jonathan. You can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd at John Zavaletta. Yes. The thing I've been enjoying. Well, I was reading this article in Wired about this guy who started this company and they were trying to 
uh, he's like a he was like an epidemic or pandemic like research scientist guy, mm-hmm. and he was he talked about how there are like pandemics that are like once in five hundred year events, like the plague. Yeah, which apparently was 500 years ago yeah and you know when you say once in 500 years it's not like necessarily literal it's just like probability Mm -hmm. right like the probabilities of something happening but it so happens to have lined up pretty closely to 500 years and um but basically he started this company that they were like risk they were doing risk assessment for the likelihood of like outbreaks and stuff like that cuz they were talking about reinsurers which uh you know from from uh the movie um first reformed where he says uh even a pastor needs a pastor mm-hmm. or from the movie Watchmen, where they say, who watches the Watchmen? Mm-hmm. This is a similar situation. Who insures the insurers? Yeah. So there are these two big companies in Europe that insure a bunch of different uh, insurance companies around the world. And basically what they're insuring them against is events where you have basically disasters where you know, uh, a car insurance company can expect, can reasonably expect, they can guess down to a pretty, with accu- with relative accuracy, how many accidents are going to be claimed that day. Mm-hmm. But there could be some big event that leads to a bunch of claims being filed. And they might not be prepared for that. So that's what these companies help insure against. And they insure a bunch of different com- companies around the world, which helps them. It's, it's called diversification. It helps them... Uh, protect themselves against a bunch of insurance companies filing claims for insurance. But in a pandemic, it affects all over the world. Mm-hmm. So if, so it could be a potentially bad situation for these big insurance insurers. Mm-hmm. And this company, so he, this guy started, he started this company and what they were trying to do is they were trying to sell basically pandemic insurance they were trying to sell insurance against like the likelihood of uh outbreaks of diseases and what they were the way that it worked is that like once the once it wasn't like you filed a claim it was once the virus hit a certain threshold in wherever you operate business they would like start making payouts to you Mm -hmm. and so they were trying to pitch this idea but it's pretty expensive yeah and also, it's you're trying to insure against, you know, I mean, I get in the car, there's, I understand that there's a somewhat of a likelihood that I'm going to get into an accident, you know, at some mm-hmm. point. But here, it's like, we're trying to insure against a once in a 500 year event. Yeah. So, so th- he said that there were no takers. So they mm-hmm. went around trying to sell to this to people and there were, there was one company that took them up on it and then later dropped it. Um, and, but now a lot of more companies are kind of like expressing interest 
in for like future yeah pandemics. and the companies like there were companies that there were actually companies that started coming up to them like once the outbreak COVID-19 outbreak was starting and they decided to turn them down because there would be a bunch of companies that were you know paid for two months or whatever and then they would be expected to pay out it yeah. just would, it would it wouldn't it doesn't like, make sense probably wouldn't make good business sense yeah yeah so it's just kind of interesting like the idea of basically trying to like protect the economy from these kinds of uh-huh. outbreaks yeah it's interesting it is interesting yeah i don't remember what the article was called but it was wired i'm sure you could find it yeah it's google wired pandemic insurance or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very cool very cool well y'all can follow the podcast on twitter and instagram and tumblr if you'd like um and yeah go rate and review us on apple podcasts or wherever you find this podcast and thanks for listening friends bye-bye good night